0: Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? Good to see you here this morning. Let me just put this on. I forgot to put that on as I came up. It's great to see you here today. I'm so excited to be here with you and worship with you and celebrate Jesus with you. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you are excited about being here this morning? Amen? Are you excited about coming? Amen. I love to ask that question from time to time because I tell you, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'll, I'll just be honest with you, uh, coming together and worshiping together with you each week is one of the highlights of my week. I, I love being with my faith family, and I think that's why it is, is because we see this place as a faith family, and we know that God is doing incredible things in the lives of individuals. He's doing incredible things in the lives of, of, of families. He's doing incredible things in... Uh, within our ministries like life groups and 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 women's ministry and all the different ministries our children's ministry every week we get an opportunity to just hear them scream over there don't we and it's just so wonderful to hear them over there just worshiping jesus and we know that's what they're doing over there as they celebrate jesus as well and and i'll tell you i'm just so thankful for the opportunities that god gives us each and every week to come together to worship together to to just be in his house together and uh and, and I just, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm also thankful for the, just the missional opportunities he gives us each and every week as well, uh, opportunities just to serve our community, serve our world. You know, one of the things that, that God uh, has called us all to, to do is to be engaged in, in, the, in a local body of believers, uh, all for uh, the, the reason of impacting their community for Christ Jesus, and I love the reality that we see that here in our faith family. And so I'm just very thankful that God gives us these opportunities. And, and I'm thankful for what lies ahead. I am convinced of this, that, that really for us as a church, this is only the beginning. That God has incredibly grand things in store for us as we continue to live our life in obedience to, to the calling that he has placed on our life. And I, I just can't wait to see what's, uh, what God has in store for us. As a faith family. So I want to pray for us this morning. Then we're going to dive into the word. We're going to continue in this series that we've been walking through for for several weeks now. So join me in prayer and then we're going to dive into God's word together here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the amazing time of worship that we have had uh, through lifting up our voices in song and adoration and prayer to you. God, I thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you through just observing baptism this morning together, seeing those that have committed their life to Christ Jesus and, and come forth to proclaim publicly, Lord, their allegiance to their Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, how wonderful it is to just be a part of that, as, as, as Pastor Gabe mentioned earlier, God, just celebrating a new life in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for this opportunity We thank You for the opportunity we have to come together and study from Your Word. And Lord, we know that, that Lord, Your Word never returns void. And so this morning, we pray, God, that You would just impact our hearts and our lives and that You would radically change who we are. God, that You would draw men and women unto Yourself. And God, we would just recognize Your presence in our life today. Uh, God, we thank You for the opportunities to do ministry in our community and around the world. And Father, we pray that You would continue to help us stay focused, On that. Lord, we love you and praise you, Lord, as we dive into your word this morning. I pray, God, that you would stir our very hearts and our souls, and God, that you would help us to place aside every distraction that exists in our life today, that we may hear from you, uh, Lord, as we read and study and preach your word. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been walking through a series called Synergy. And uh, we've been showing a little bumper video, which we saw just a few seconds ago, uh, that sort of describes what synergy is. It's something that we, we recognize. It's not a word that you're going to find in the Scripture, but what we know is that when God brings His people, His children together, that there is synergy. There is, there is, uh, there is energy that can only be accomplished through people coming together, unified by a common belief and, 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 and commitment to Christ Jesus. And that knowing that together we can accomplish so much more than we could ever do as individuals. And so that's sort of the idea behind this uh, this thing called synergy that we've been studying over the last couple of weeks. And we've been walking through the scriptures and seeing all these different issues that that God's word challenges us to. We've been talking about what it means to trust in God and the the need that we have to trust God even when life doesn't make sense. And so we want to Trusting God, we, we've talked about what it means to surrender to Him, uh, to give of our lives to Him, to, to belong to Him, but more than just confess Him, to walk with Him and to surrender our lives with Him, and then ultimately what it means to pursue Him. We've been talking about all of these things over the last couple of weeks. Well, today we're going to be diving into God's Word and seeing what it means to be committed to Him or to commit to Him. And this is something that I think we ought to take very seriously because when we look into God's Word, we see that God's Word challenges the the believer or the disciple of Christ Jesus to be and to remain committed to Jesus Christ, who we would say is our Lord and our Savior of our life. And so that's what we're going to be looking at here today. I love what Ed Stetzer once said about commitment and and just really growing and, and maturing in our faith. And that's what we've been really talking about over the last couple of weeks but Ed Stetzer is one of the the country's leading missiologists he's also a pastor and a preacher and he once said these words he says don't shy away from maturity the enemy wants us to remain like babies never strong enough to be about the mission that we have been given but embrace the shovel and go deep i love that that just that little analogy of of digging deep in our faith, digging deep into this understanding that Christ Jesus has saved us from our sin, that he has come into our life, he has transformed us from who we once were to who we are today, and that through that he is leading us and guiding us, but also sanctifying us and challenging us to go deeper in our faith. And so that's what this series has been about, about really challenging us to to understand what spiritual maturity really begins to look like. I, I'm convinced of this truth that, that I'll tell you that, that Christianity today is often very shallow in its understanding of who Christ is and, and what their role is in playing out and living out in God's kingdom. But, but I, I want us as a faith family, as a, as a local church, to understand very clearly what the, the role of a disciple of Jesus Christ is really all about. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been walking through this and so we're going to dive into God's word here this morning and understand what it means to commit. If you have your Bibles and I hope you do or your electronic device whatever it is that you're using to, to look at God's word with me and I pray that you are doing that, go ahead and turn to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. That's where we're going this morning and we're going to go to verse, I um, mean excuse me, chapter 1, chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians. And we're going to be diving into two verses today. Two verses, verses 11 and verse 12. And so we're going to dive into these two verses together, and we're going to see something really amazing. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica, he he was writing to clear up some misconceptions that existed in the life of the church concerning the end of times. So he's writing with this grand purpose to help people understand what the day of the Lord is, and what, what it means that that there would be this end of times. And so he, that's really the purpose of what Paul is writing to the Thessalonians to, uh, to help bring clarity to them and help them understand that. But on the onset of this letter, at the very beginning of this letter, as we begin to dive into it, we see that Paul makes a statement. He, he, he makes a proclamation, if you will, that he is praying for them. And so Paul says, you know, he says, hey, here's why I'm writing. But, but before I do that, he says, I want to I stop and I want to just sort of, sort of encourage you. These are some things I see that you're doing and you're doing well and, and I'm excited about that. And then Paul says, and I want to pray for you. I, I want you to know how I'm praying for you as a, as a church, as a local body. And we know that he's writing to the local church because at the beginning of this letter, he says, uh, you know, we are writing to you. Uh, the church of Thessalonica. And so he he writes these words, and so he's writing to this church, but he says here, he says, I'm praying for you, and this is how we're praying for you. And what's really interesting is that as we look into the text, we begin to see that what Paul is praying for, what Paul is going to the, to the Father on behalf of the church of Thessalonica, he's going to to God in prayer. And what he's praying for is that the church would co-labor for the Lord. That the church would serve the Lord, but not just serve the Lord, that the church would serve the Lord well. And as we read this text, I pray that you'll see the significance and the importance of what Paul is praying here for us as well. I was reading through this text and, and as I was reading through it, I, I recognized that it was a prayer and I, I knew that, that this would be something that would be similar to what I'm praying for you as well on almost a daily basis. I pray for us as a church that, and us as individuals that we would grow and mature and that we would serve the church and not just serve the church, but serve the church well. And so I pray this as well. But what I saw this as is not just simply a prayer, but a challenge to embrace God's kingdom and to embrace the work that He has given to us, the bride, the body of Christ. So read this with me if you will. Starting with verse 11 and then verse 12. Paul says this, he says, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power. So that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in Him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is what Paul, I mean, in the midst of this very important issue that he's writing about, he stops and he pauses and he says, by the way, I want you to know I am praying for you. I am praying that you would be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the work of his kingdom. And not only that you would serve the Lord Jesus, but I'm praying that you would serve the Lord well so that in fact, as you serve the Lord, you will ultimately bring glory to Him. Which is why we exist anyway, isn't it? To bring glory to His name. The Bible teaches us that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. Now, we we don't do the things of God for our own glory. That would be self-righteous or self-glory. We do it for the glory of God. We want to lift up the name of Jesus. We want to bring glory to the name of Jesus. We want to proclaim the name of Jesus so that other people would be impacted by Him, that other people would come to know Him the way you and I know Him as not only Lord of our life, but Savior of our life. We want to proclaim the name of Jesus so that lives are transformed and that people would come forth in obedience to believers' baptism and be baptized and then go forth into the world making disciples. And so Paul says, I pray. I pray almost daily that you would serve the Lord and serve Him well. And so I want us to look at that this morning because I want you to gather the the significance. I want you to see and embrace the significance of what Paul is saying here. This prayer that he is praying. He's praying that God would do something powerful in their life. He's praying that God would do something powerful in their life. Think about that for just a moment. I want you to know that we as a staff, we are praying every day. We pray for the people that God has entrusted us to care for. We pray for the people. And we pray that that God would do something powerful in your life. And that's that's what's happening here. Paul is is praying for this. We also see this call to serve, And I want us to look at that. Look with me, if you will, at verse 11. This is what he says. He says, To this end, we always pray for you. Now look at this. That our God would make you worthy of His calling. Now that's important. That's very important for us to understand. Look at this again. He says, I pray that, that our God... Would make you worthy of his calling. Now, when we see this word "worthy," we think of, uh, of you know, maybe righteousness, but that's not really the gist of what Paul is saying here. You know, because in in reality, are any of us really worthy of anything aside from Christ Jesus? We we're, we're not righteous on our own. We are only righteous through the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And so, I look at and I almost. I almost want to push back because I don't want anybody to ever think that I have somehow arrived as a, a minister of the gospel, that I am worthy enough to serve the kingdom of God. That's not at all what Paul is saying here. And if you notice what Paul is saying here, that is very significant for us to understand, is he is saying this. He says he's praying that God would make them worthy of his calling. It's not their own goals in life that he is praying that God would help them accomplish or pursue is it no he's pointing to this reality that there is a mission that christ has given them this mission and this calling that god has given them and he prays that god would sanctify them he would sanctify them and empower them which is what we see in acts when god comes and i mean the holy spirit comes and empowers the church to do the mission of god but paul is praying that the the holy spirit would empower them to be able to accomplish that which Christ Jesus has called the church to do. Every one of us. And so he's praying for this sort of, this sort of calling for the church. What is this calling that he's called us to? What is this calling that, that the Lord Jesus has called us all to? You know, just before Jesus ascended into heaven there were really two things that He called us to do. There two things that He commissioned us to do. And we, we often refer to this as the Great Commission. But the first thing that Jesus called the church to do, what He told His di- disciples to do, is to proclaim the gospel, to go out and proclaim the gospel so that others may come to know Him like they know Him. And so the first thing that he, he really challenged them to do was to proclaim the gospel. We read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he says this. But he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you, look at this, you will be my witnesses. You will be the ones who tell the Jesus story. You will be the ones who go out into the world proclaiming the good news about Christ Jesus, proclaiming the gospel news about Jesus Christ, that others may hear the story of Jesus, that others may hear that good news, that others would hear that you have been saved from your sins by Christ who died on the cross, whose blood was spilled for the atonement of your sins. You will be the ones who go out and tell the Jesus story so that others may hear of Jesus and know Him. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. My people will be my witnesses. The second thing that He commissioned us to do was to demonstrate the gospel through serving. To demonstrate the gospel through Serving. So he tells them, You will proclaim the gospel, but you will also demonstrate the gospel. In other words, you will live out your life in such a way that as people not only hear your words, but they see your actions, they will come to know me as Lord and Savior. If we look at Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, we see these words Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and behold i am with you always to the end of the age. i love this because paul, excuse me, because the gospel is pointing to this reality that as believers in christ jesus we are all called to make disciples and we see all these action steps for the church. go it says go therefore and make disciples. so we are called to go, we are called to make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father son and holy spirit this is what we did this morning we're we're demonstrating the gospel by by baptizing new believers you see what we do when we baptize people we we, we, we take them underwater. The believer's baptism by immersion. We, we bear them in, the, in, in their likeness and raise to walk in the newness of Christ. We are actually proclaiming the gospel through baptism. We also do it when we partake in the Lord's Supper. Talking about the body that was broken, which we did last week. The body that was broken and the blood that was spilled. Through our actions, we are teaching people about Jesus. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so now, to the Thessalonians, Paul is writing to the church, and he reminds them of this calling that they have as disciples of Christ. And he prays that God would sanctify them and equip them and empower them that they would be used as instruments in the Redeemer's hands. That's what he's praying. He's praying that lives would be changed and lives would be equipped and that people would go forth to proclaim the good news and to just demonstrate the gospel with their lives. You know, around here, we, we talk about the mission that Christ has set us on. We talk about the vision that God has given us to reach not only our Jerusalem, which is uh, Valdosta, and the, and the other areas of this, this community, the community in which we live, but we also talk about the reality that we are called to reach our Judea, Samaria, and even the ends of the earth. And so we understand the mission that we're on. We understand this mission, but, but we, I mean, the vision, but we also understand the mission. And, and the mission is really how we accomplish that. And we talk about connecting with each other. You know, love God, love people. We talk about how important connection is. We talk about how important growing and maturing in our faith is. And now we're beginning to transition into having this conversation about serving the Lord. And so we grow and we mature as believers in Christ Jesus until we, we get to this place where now we begin to make disciples. We become multiplying leaders and we're living out our faith in obedience to that which Christ has called us to do. And that's what Paul's praying about. He's praying that people would grow in such a way that they would embrace the mission of Christ and they would fulfill it with their lives. He also prays that God would continue the great work. That God would continue the work that was going on among the Thessalonians. He's praying that God would continue this great work through the church and Also, this is important, by His power. By His power. We read in verse 11, it says, To this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling, of His calling, and, and this is what Paul is also praying about, and he says that He he may fulfill every resolve or every undertaking that the church undertakes for good and for every work of faith, And I love this last part, by his power, by his power. You know what I love seeing? I love seeing seeing things happen in the life of the church that is beyond our own capabilities. You know why I like that? Because I begin to realize that this is so beyond what we are capable of that it has to be of God. In other words, I, wanna, I pray for the supernatural. I want to see something happen that is so big, something so grand, that I know that even together as a faith family, we together could never take the credit for it, that it has to be of God. That's what I love. Because I know that God is among us. I know that the Word of God teaches us this truth that He is walking with us and that we see it, we get to see it being lived out as lives are being transformed and those transformed lives are coming together and those transformed lives are coming together for the purpose of serving Jesus and His kingdom and seeing such remarkable things take place that we look at that and we say, we could have never done that. That has to be God. I love that. And that's what Paul says here. He says he's praying for them. He's praying for them that every good work that they do that would be would continue to be good work, but all by His power. And so Paul brings God and Christ and the Holy Spirit back into the process. You know we can't do this alone. You know God's not just simply calling us together to accomplish things in our own power, even together, but in connection with Him and in conjunction with Him and the things that He is doing and by His power in our life. And so here we see this being played out. So the calling that He is talking about here, this this work that's being accomplished. You know, what Paul is praying for, he says, I pray that there would be those of you who rise up to the challenge and embrace or commit to the calling that God has placed on your life, we would see incredible things done for the kingdom. That's what he's praying for. That's what I'm praying for. And that's what I hope you're praying for. That God would continue to equip us and bring us and empower us and together just working in our life in such a way that as we look into our life, we can only say, look at God's work. Galatians 2.20, because what we're talking about here is commitment. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself Himself For me. And so we see here as Paul is writing to the to the Galatians, he's talking about this this reality that he is been crucified to self, and now he is living. He is living for Christ. He is living under this calling that Jesus Christ has called him to, and he is committed to this calling, and he wants to die to self, and he wants to live for Christ, and nothing else matters to him but living for Jesus. Romans 12.1 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Talking about committing Our lives to the Lord. You know, in the same way that Paul is praying for this church, I don't mean this church, I mean the church that we're looking at in Scripture, the church in Thessalonica, in the same way that Paul is praying for this church, I pray as well that God would captivate our hearts. Let me ask you something here this morning. Why are you here? What are you doing in this room this morning? What purpose have you have you showed up here is it to To mark off a box and say, well, we went to church this morning, or is it to encounter a holy and righteous God that wants to take your life and mold you like a lump of clay into a creation that only he can imagine and do immeasurable things through as the local church? Is that why you're here? I hope that's why you're here. Because I pray that God would captivate our hearts this morning, that God would, would stir our very souls, that we would be on fire for Jesus and not living for the world. I mean, isn't that what we've been talking about for the last six weeks? That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for us, because here's what I know. That God is not just in the saving business and in the transforming business, but He's in the equipping business. And what we see all throughout Scripture is God take the least of the least. And I know that's sometimes where we kind of camp out. on. that's why we don't move forward so often in our life. We think, well, I'm not worthy. Well, can I tell you something? You will never be worthy. He and He alone is worthy. But God has a way, and we see it all through Scripture, where God takes the least of the least and He does the most extraordinary things through them that's what paul's praying for here this morning in the time we have left and I've, I've probably gone a little long for this but anyway that's not out of the ordinary either is it this morning you know we have a, a, a wonderful opportunity this morning we are going to sort of wrap up the service with the ordination service and i want to say this about an ordination service an ordination services you know let me just say this about the church the church doesn't ordain people the holy spirit does Amen? The Holy Spirit does. But what we have an opportunity to do is to affirm the calling of those who have committed their life to Jesus and have said, I know that this is what God is doing in my life. And so there's one who has been serving with us faithfully for four and a half years named Darren Roberts. And many of you know him. And Darren came about four and a half years ago from Louisiana with an affirmation from a church there in Louisiana that says, we believe this man is called of God. And so he came here and he's been serving faithfully with us. He's a dear friend of ours and and we love this man. And he has been serving faithfully. and, And as we've looked into this man's life, as we've watched him grow, as we've seen God do incredible things in his life, we too are able to affirm this calling. We're not here to ordain Darren. The Holy Spirit ordains people. But we are here to affirm that we see God working in this man's life. The shepherding team has had a time to to look into Darren's life. The the pastors have had time to look into his life. We even asked Robin if it was okay with her. His wife. His wife was like, I guess so, you know. But this morning we had this remarkable opportunity to see an example of how God takes just an ordinary individual and does something incredible in their life. I, I want to roll this video right quick. We've got a short video and then we're going to close out the service in a time of prayer. Can we roll that video, boys?
1: Growing up, my dad was a pastor. And we, we lived in a, in a good home, um, but being in ministry as a child was a very uh, tough thing. As a pastor's kid, you get to see behind closed doors. And, and I got to hear how some of the people in our church treated my father, um, the things they would say to him. I allowed that to kind of build a wedge between me and Christ. That's what Christianity was. I didn't want any part of it. Um, I became a problem child at school, had a lot of behavioral issues at home, and when I graduated high school, you know, my mom and dad moved to Atlanta, um, and I stayed behind um, and uh, wound up joining the Marine Corps. And I was running from God, I was running from a calling on my life, and I was living in the world, and I was enjoying every bit of it, and God would speak to me and he would say, this is not you. This is not what I made you for. You're called to something better. So I got married two years into my time in the Marine Corps. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, Robin's pregnant with with my oldest child, Natalie, and trying to figure out who I am, um, trying to be a husband and failing miserably at it. By this time, I'd been out of church around 12 years. And we moved to New Orleans, uh, right outside New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, a little town called Mandeville. We hadn't been in Louisiana long, and we're driving in the car, and uh, Natalie was in kindergarten at the time, and she asked us who Jesus was. We decided we need to get in church. We just felt guilty because, like, our kid's in kindergarten. We're in the South, and she's never heard of Jesus. This is crazy. I remember my first church service in Mandeville. was July 4th, 2004. I remember the message being something that, It was practical, it was life-giving, it was was truth. And so we stay in that church every week. We're hiding in there, going in, not connecting with anybody. I get my coffee, go sit down in the back. Um, But every week I'm listening to the pastor. And it felt like every week he's talking to me. And every week I felt like, man, it's tug at my heart. God's calling me. And I remember giving my life to Christ and submitting my life to him saying, Lord, you know, not only do I want you to be my savior, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And from that point forward, my life changed. Robin and I uh, joined a small group um, probably about nine months after we got saved. And I'll tell you, some of the, the biggest growth I had spiritually came from being in a small group. I felt this tug in my heart, you know, that that God was um, calling me into ministry. But we continued to pray about things, and as I was having conversations with my pastors, and it was a process, probably about another year and a half or so of, of, of sitting down, talking with them, sharing my heart, and didn't quite know what that was gonna look like at the time, we heard about Cross Point Church. And so uh, I remember I got David's you know, information off the website, and I shot him an email. My wife and I had uh, a dinner with he and Linnell. And we went to our first service at Cross Point, and on the way home to Louisiana, um, probably around Mariana, Florida, um, we both looked at each other and we're like, "We feel like God's calling us to Cross Point." Came the Valdosta, stepped out in faith, and and that's how um, we got here at Cross Point. I do feel like I'm right in the process of fulfilling my calling uh, here at Cross Point. Ministry is—I can't think of anything more rewarding my mentors poured into me when I was a young Christian. I just, I love doing that with others. I think about Ephesians 2.10 where um, where God's created us, where his workmanship and he has a plan for our lives and it's, and it's been laid out in advance. And that I'm walking in that, that I'm fulfilling a calling on my life. Um, there's nothing you know, more rewarding than walking in obedience and walking and living out your life in a way that honors God, but knowing that you're fulfilling God's will for your life.
0: Amen. Can we thank Jesus for just the the reality that God is still changing lives and drawing men and women into himself and, and even equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. That's what's so beautiful to me. To me as a a church, we don't measure our spiritual effectiveness by how many we're seating on Sunday morning. We measure our spiritual effectiveness as we serve the, the Lord Jesus Christ and we see lives transformed and lives called and lives sent out as missionaries for the gospel. That's how we measure spiritual success as a church. This morning we want to close with Sort of a word of prayer for for Darren, and and his life. And so, Darren, I want to ask you, if you will, to come on up here uh, to the front and just uh, just just post up right here for a minute, buddy. I got. This, let me just tell you what's going on right here. We're gonna uh, the next couple of things I share. I'm I'm really sharing to Darren because Darren has basically said I've committed my life to full-time ministry, and that's a pretty huge calling on someone's life. And So the next few seconds, as I share a little bit of Scripture and whatnot, this is a a charge to you, Darren. This is something to take very seriously. And then as we finish that, what we want to do is we want to lay hands on Darren, and then as a church, we will pray for Darren and affirm this calling that God has placed on his life. But Darren, you know, in Acts 20, we read where the Apostle Paul, he summoned for... The Ephesian elders he called and he says I want you to come I want you to, to come over here I, I've got something I want to share with you and he gave them what I want to give to you this morning which was really a calling to serving the Lord to being committed to ministry to committing your life to ministry he had a very important message to say to them and this is what he said he says pay careful attention to yourself And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men twisting things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. Darren, your life is a testimony of God's work. It's a testimony of God equipping Someone whom he has already saved to do the work of ministry for the church. And some of the most powerful words that I see in this passage really challenge us to consider what we are about to embark on. Today is a new beginning for your life. He says here, and I think these words are are worth mentioning again, he says, pay careful attention to yourself. And this is a charge to constantly be evaluating your life that you may stay blameless and live in pursuit of the righteousness of Christ. He also says, pay attention to the flock. And he goes on to say, to care for the church of God. One of the things that we need to remember always as a a minister of the gospel is that this isn't our church. This is Jesus' church. We've been entrusted with an opportunity to care for this church. And so I just want to charge you with this as we think about the importance of, of us celebrating and affirming and equipping by the Holy Spirit of God in your life. I want you to understand this, this challenge and what you're embarking on. And I know you do. We've already had a lot of conversation about that. But this time I want to invite Darren, if he will, to just go ahead and have a seat. We're going to close out with a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Robin and the girls to come on up and And to just be with him. And then I also want to invite our pastors and other ordained ministers that that want to come up. And let's just lay hands on on Darren. I want to invite you all to come on up. And uh, let's just lay hands on Darren. This is a very special moment in his life. And and my friends, though this may seem like something that doesn't concern you, it concerns every one of us as we come here today. Because here's the reality. I believe there's somebody here today, there's there's more here today that may already be sensing God's calling on their life. And this is a testimony of God's work in a man's life. And this is how the church responds through affirmation and sending of those who are called. I'm going to ask Jason if he will to pray for us or pray for Darren as we lay hands on him. Pray with him.
2: Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that it is you who has saved, you who have called, have taught, have ministered to, have held tight, have provided for Darren and his family. We acknowledge that. We are proud of and excited that you have called him into full-time ministry. We are excited about that, but we do not take credit for it. It has been you who has been at work in his life, and you've given us the privilege to be a part of it, to see his ministry and the fruits of that ministry unfold here at Cross Point Church. But again, it is you who has called him. And we are here today to affirm that, that Darren's life and his ministry reflect the call that you have put on his life, Father. But we see from Scripture that ordination Is not just an individual call. Scripture says, and some of the qualifications of being a pastor, an ordained minister, are the family unit also. So we stand here today also to affirm his family in this calling. That his wife and partner and loving support agrees with this in his in his Affirming this call as well. We stand to affirm that as children who love you and serve you in a variety of ways here at Crosspoint and in their individual lives and walks with you, that their lives affirm the call of him to be a full-time pastor, Father God. So we stand here, Father, with them on the precipice of full-time ministry. Darren and his family will no longer serve you as committed laypeople but they are committing and surrendering their life to to being a publicly ordained minister of the gospel. We affirm that. We embrace that. And Father, as the good shepherd, we ask you to go before him and his family to pave the way for them We ask that you give them the opportunities to be engaged in our culture, Father, for the proclamation and the growth and the sharing of the gospel. But in doing so, Father, we also ask that you will keep them clean from the corruption of the crooked and depraved generation to which you have called them to redeem. So we stand here today eager to see what you are doing in their lives and we pray in closing, Father, that you will use their response to this lifetime call of ministry to just blow them away with what you're going to do in their lives. Father, increasingly and abundantly and beyond their wildest expectations and in the most robust way possible, Father, show them your faithfulness in their lives. We ask these things, Father, in Christ's name.